Hi, this is Russell Flores, author of Seen Unseen Disneyland, and you're listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 81 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we conclude our two-part interview with Russell Flores, the author of Seen Unseen Disneyland. In part one, we talked about where his love for Disneyland came from and how it's been fostered and nurtured, where the idea for his book came from, and more about the book itself as well as the development of it, and more. In this episode, Russ talks about more on the proofing process for the book, what it was like holding the bound copy of the book for the first time, the differences in some types of relationships with publishers, proofing woes and second editions, the most surprising thing he found while researching for the book, what's currently got him stumped, a detail he knows exists but hasn't been able to see yet, how he got the picture of the Haunted Mansion's organist. It was a pretty tough job. Plans for his second book. What he hasn't been asked that he wishes people would ask him. What motivated him to continue with the book once he got the idea for it. What inspires him. His advice to you for following your dreams. And of course, shameless plug time. Now a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and continue this story. Have you ever wanted to share something with someone just because? Well, we do a lot. So we started a podcast about, well, whatever we want. My name is Joyce. And I'm her lovely husband, Al. Uh, Well, you know what I mean. Hey, it's me, Al. Listen, I'm hijacking the Just Because podcast to start a new series all about the wonderful world of voice acting. Each episode, I'll have a professional voice actor on and ask them some serious, hard-hitting questions to get to the bottom of this in a world. You know, world. If you've ever wanted to know about the inner workings of this magical and mystical business, tune into Just Because, inside the voiceover studio. Tune in at JustBecausePodcast.com and on iTunes. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. Those are the frustrating things, but uh, it's an interesting process. Yeah. It's not like a lot of people think, you know, oh, they print it up and they send it to you and you go through the book. Yeah, it looks good. Um, Part of the reason they do the individual pages is um, even though you, you sign off one letter for the whole thing, um, you can pull out individual pages and make changes. Hmm. So this allows you to pull those pages out and say, oh, you know, no, this is wrong, this is wrong. Um, for instance, in the first proof I got, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but in, in the book, 
there'll be like a big picture and then I'll pull a small piece of that picture and blow that up and I'll use a red line mm-hmm. to bring that out. All those red lines were gone in the first proof. Oh. I'm like, where are the red lines? And they're uh-huh. like, there are no red lines. I go, go, go back and look. <laughs> yeah. Well, when they had done their, their setup, all of those red lines had fallen behind the pictures. And what I mean by falling behind is in, in pictures, everything's done in layers. Uh-huh. So um, when you're looking at a page on a book, per se, you know, the text is a layer, one picture is a layer, another picture is a layer, the line's a layer. And if one of the if it falls behind another one of those pieces, you can't see it anymore. So you have to be very specific in the order you put those layers right. to make things appear correctly. Yeah. And that's what had happened. Is all the for whatever reason when he set it up, all the red lines fell behind. Huh. Oops. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, of course I'm thinking, you know, brand new. I'm thinking, Oh my god, the book's ruined and you know, my, my publisher's like, No big deal. He gets a hold of the guy, he's like, Oops, sorry and then he, you know, sends me new new proofs. Uh-huh. Um, and then sometimes, like when they sent the first proofs, they, they were hard copies. Um, with, like, the lines, they, they sent those as soft proofs. They just emailed and said, is this what it's supposed to look like? Yeah, okay, we, we guarantee it will look like that. Okay. And then you sign off on that, and then if they ship you 10,000 books and they don't have that line after they've signed off saying it will look like this, uh-huh. it's on them to reprint. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And interesting, a little different experience that I had when it came to the proof copies, because uh, I self-published through CreateSpace, so I just kind of did all of that myself. And once it went through their review, then I got to review it as a PDF, and then I actually got a hard copy of the book bound, everything exactly like it was going to be. And so I could look through, and since I was doing it myself, I was able to go through the book find any mistakes I had made or anything and just change it myself and yeah. then re-upload it. Okay. Uh, so I actually did get my my proof copy was a bound book. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Yeah, we we got um, after we went through the whole proofing process, we actually did get ten copies mm-hmm. printed. But basically at that point it's it's a done book. That this is just basically this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. You don't get a chance to change it, but this is what it's going to look like. Right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. And then there's all these other things that you don't know about until you get into this. Like, if you've got, let's say, a book that's 8.5 by 11, you don't get to write on 8.5 by 11. Mm-hmm. There's an area that is the actual, quote, unquote, printable area. Right. And then the edges, you have to leave so much edge on each side, and even those aren't even. Yeah, it's the mirror. binding side is less than than the outer book edges, uh-huh. and so you know you have to be aware of those and make room for for those. And then like on a couple of my pages where the entire page is filled with a picture, you have to design those pictures in such a way that when they crop, each page gets cropped slightly different. If you were to actually compare uh-huh. them all, they're never exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So you have to account for those edges being cuttable. That if you lose up to so much, it's okay. Yeah. And so you can't do that with text. You can do that with pictures. Right. So um, there's a printable area. Like an InDesign actually shows me that printable area that you're mm. supposed to stay within. And occasionally I'll cheat out of that. But I don't cheat so far that I, I, I know it's never going to get cropped. Yeah. It may look a little off-center if, if, I, if I cheat too much. Uh-huh. But it, it'll always still be there. But... Yeah, so there's all those little things you have to deal with with a printer. Yeah. That people don't realize. They think you just, ah, you just write it, you print it, throw it in there. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Over and done with. 
What was it like actually holding that bound copy in your hands for the first time? Because this is the book that I did, and here it is, and I'm actually holding it. You can actually see a picture of me holding it the first time on my Facebook page. Um, it was awesome. You know, this truck shows up, and, you know, they say, yeah, we got books for you, and they've got this little dolly, not dolly, but a, you know, forklift thing, and where do you want it? In your garage, and they dump it, <laughs> and, you know, you sign, and they, they, you know, they make you inspect all the boxes and all that stuff if they're not damaged, mm-hmm. and you sign, they leave, and then you get to open that box and pull that first one out. Um, my wife actually has that first book. So after I held it and got all the pictures, she made me sign it, and she actually has the physical first copy. So, um, you know, it's just an unbelievable feeling to hold that thing, because, I mean, that's that was years of work. Mm-hmm. And even at that point, you're still at that, wow, I've got a few thousand dollars tied up in this, and I still don't know if anyone's ever going to buy one. Yeah. Now, that's not entirely true for me. I actually had a, about 110 books pre-sold. Okay. So as soon as I had confirmation that the books were in Oakland, I did a thing online where I said, hey, my book's coming out. If you're interested, getting on the waiting list. You know, mm-hmm. That's how the first person got picked. They uh-huh. were the first person to email me and say, yes, I want a book. Um, and shout out to Wendy Cooper. Um, I was fortunate enough that the way the books arrived and everything, that the official release date ended up being Walt's birthday in 2012. Uh-huh. So, And it also happened that both Wendy and my family were going to be here at Disneyland. So we met in front of the castle and actually did the official exchanging of the first book and money right there in front of the castle, signing it and all that stuff. So I knew I had at least sold 100. (laughs) (laughs) That's something anyway. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, the nice thing is, I mean, you you went self-publishing print-on-demand, right? Right. So there's there's not the big financial tie-up like with mine, um, there's I went with a traditional publisher, mm-hmm. but there's three ways you can go. You can go totally traditional, where the publisher does everything and you get your royalty. Mm-hmm. There's where the publisher just acts as your printer, and you pay for everything and you get the books and you deal with it. Uh-huh. And then we did what's called a hybrid. So our agreement is my publisher has anything that's a bookstore. Or acts like a bookstore. So okay. Amazon, eBay, all of those things. Uh-huh. And he prints his copies. And then I buy copies where I can like go to book shows like D23 and mm-hmm. Disneyana where you and I shared a big long table yes. this year. <laughs> um, and those books are, are owned by me. I paid for them. Mm-hmm. And so the benefit for me to do it that way, number one, is I'm getting in on his order so I get the price break of the larger order. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I, if he ordered three thousand and I ordered a thousand, my books might cost more. But by us ordering four thousand, we get them a little cheaper per unit. Right. Um, then those books are mine. Mm-hmm. So whatever I sell them for is what I get. Right. Um, minus my cost, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Whereas the ones he sells, I just get my royalty. Mm-hmm. But the benefit of having him do that is he's dealing with all those bookstores and uh, all that tax and all that stuff that he has to deal with and um, but he has the potential to sell a lot more right. than I do so I might get you know X amount per book you know and I sell 100 books I might only get a, you know one tenth of X from him but he has the potential of selling you know 7,000 books yeah <laughs> yeah exactly 
to, and I kind of did the same thing. Uh, CreateSpace kind of functions the same way as a traditional publisher in that, you know, they handle that, including expanded distribution channels, and then I ordered author copies that I can then carry on and do kind of what you do with your author copies. part of the order. Yeah. yeah, it works out really well that way. So, you know, kind of two different approaches, but kind of in a lot of ways similar path, just a little different. You know, as it was, uh, because I self-published, I hired a graphic designer to do my cover. I hired a professional editor. When I did my first book, I just asked a few friends that I knew were either English majors or experienced writers or something like, hey, could you just read through this and proof it for me? It was only, you know, 40 pages. When I had one that was 375 pages, I figured I'd better hire somebody. <laughs> I couldn't just ask people, hey, on your own time, would you mind reading this 375-page book and giving me detailed notes? <laughs> See, and, and I did that too. I hired a professional, and mm-hmm. the, my first proofer botched it bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to the point where I got a 100% refund. That, that's how bad, and they don't wow. normally give refunds. No. Um, so, but, but it was just obvious. And so I had to have it reproofed, and... Um, I actually, uh, a fellow author, David Lesjak, uh, lives in Canada, mm. uh, Canadian, so that works out really well for him. It does, doesn't but, it? <laughs> uh, but he's written several books on uh, Disney and, and the war years. Okay. And um, I was talking to him one day, and he's like, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because, like, you and I think of each other as authors, but we really have other jobs we really do to support our families. And yeah. it was the same with him. I was think of him as an author and, and a lecturer he's like well you know what I do in real life and I'm like well no I actually never really gave it a thought <laughs> you're an author we've been over this <laughs> and he's like well I I, I read copy I'm, I'm a proofer that's kind of what I do is, mm. is I that's what I do for a living so he actually reproofed it for me so the this, the only reason we have a second edition is for the proofing um, so we, we wanted to designate so we could actually tell which book was which. Other than that, the two books are essentially the same. Uh-huh. So, like, like... It's that frog guy again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize that cast member up in the wheelhouse. I've seen him over at the Mark Twain dock and doing the different jobs over there several times. You know, I rode it one time, and they had the train engineers down running the steam engine and I, and in their train outfits. Really? And I was asking them about it, and they go, steam is steam. They, they needed people over here, and they sent us over. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, what were we talking about? First and second editions. Oh, first and second editions, yeah. So we just want to designate the difference there. Um, but like I said, for those of you wondering right now that already that bought the first one and do I have to buy the second one to be complete, if you're a completist that has to have every book ever published, sorry, you're going to have to buy a second one. But for 99.99% of you, if you've got the first one, you don't need to buy a second one. They're essentially the same book. Um, obviously, the second one had a bunch of typos taken out. There's a couple minor rewritings of stuff, but other than that, they're they're the same book. It, they're definitely the exact same pictures. There's no changes there, so got it. Don't think I'm trying to, you know. Oh, I got a second edition. You got to go buy it now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You're just gonna have to spend that money. Yeah. So as you were researching for the book, 
what was the most surprising thing that you discovered, either during the researching or the picture taking? Hmm. Most surprising. I know with the new one, I found a lot of surprising stuff. Um, I don't know what the most surprising thing is. Probably should have the book here in front of me so I could I could peek at it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you can but, borrow my copy of your book. <laughs> let me flip through here see if I see something that that jumps out at me. I mean, I found so many interesting things. I, I don't know if that's necessarily what you mean by surprising. I, I presume you mean like totally unexpected, Would or at be... least partially unexpected. Um. So, like, one of the ones that, that kind of caught me off guard was the, the train station at New Orleans. And I know about the whole argument there. Is it New Orleans Station? Is it Frontierland Station? Is it New Orleans Frontierland Station? Okay, we all know what I'm talking about, so we can discuss that later. Right. Um, if you look at the, the station in Toontown, the Toontown Station is actually a caricature of the Frontierland Station. They're, they have similar structure. They have similar design. But, of course, it's been made tunish right. and that had never occurred to me when I look at the two I, it never dawned on me at all that, that was the case um, and that was something I learned from your book I didn't I hadn't realized that until I saw it in there and like another one um, that kind of surprised me and I I'd always wondered why the feet on the droids in Star Tours had funny feet uh huh and then found out I knew all all the characters had been moved to Splash Mountain it, I'd never had heard Star Tours was right that a couple of them had stopped by there from America and, and that they were the geese uh-huh. and that's why their feet look like geese feet yep. that's the, why they're called G2 droids geese 2 yeah the G stands for geese ah so you know little things like that um oh well here's one um the gully womper. Now, unfortunately, that's gone now. On the back side of the island, there was a gully womper that was sunk back there. Mm-hmm. And it was deteriorating and everything. And then come to find out, not only was that an original boat that was used when they had those boats here on, on Rivers of America, but not that particular boat, but the original two were the original two from the movie. When they first started the attraction here at Disneyland, uh-huh. they only had two boats, and it was the two from the movie. <laughs> Um, which ultimately got replaced for ones that carried more people and more stable and all everything, which sure. was another whole thing because apparently they weren't that stable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a big shock for me to, to learn, wow, I mean, which um, partially uh, can be a credit to why there's a chapter in here about movie props being here at the park because then mm-hmm. that got me thinking, you know, it kind of makes sense. You know, Disney, Disney Studios, the studios built this thing. You know, are there other movie props here? Which, of course, there are. Right. And in fact, there's several. Yeah. So, so it's stuff like that. Okay. Those, those would be a few of the things that kind of, wow. <laughs> Who knew? You're right. And I know you put a lot of research into the details, and that you talked about before trying to double and triple source things. I mean, to make sure you got all the details and backstories and everything that you included exactly right. But is there anything that's currently got you stumped? Like, you've seen it, but you just don't know why it's there or what the story is? Sort of. So, well, one thing out of the bag for the new book I'm working on, but as of right now, it's probably not going to make it into the book. Um, Disney's famous for putting dates around the park. Mm -hmm. There are dates on the walls 
in uh, Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Two dates specifically that I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah, I'm, I've seen them. As best I can figure, they are most likely, most likely, this is an opinion, this is not a fact. <laughs> so don't write me and say, you're wrong. But you can write me and tell me what they are if you know. Um, anyway, I suspect they are birth dates from Imagineers, who probably worked on the attraction and or the movies. Mm-hmm. I cannot find whose they are for life me. And I have searched and searched and searched. Um, there's a couple dates in Star Tours. Same thing. Uh-huh. I suspect it's Imagineers or something along those lines. Cannot figure out what they are. Hmm. So, um, in, in the original book, um, the Winnie the Pooh ride, I sat there for hours watching that ride go by and getting all the names and researching online. And when I originally went to press... There were two names I could not confirm. They made perfect sense that they were probably correct. Uh-huh. And in fact, you, if you have the original book, you'll notice that they're asterisk, that these are unconfirmed. Um, but I could never confirm those last two names. Now, since then, I have. but um, So I'm totally comfortable with them now. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's another attraction that I'm working on for a similar type quiz. And there's one name that I have not been able to get. <laughs> So I'm actually considering putting it out as a as as a as a yeah, a game uh-huh. a competition to see if someone can find it for me. But I have sat in this attraction in the queue line, waving people by while I'm sitting there writing every single name down. Uh-huh. And this boat has never gone by me. <laughs> I can't find it on the internet. Well, that's not true. I found it on one spot on the internet, which is why I don't consider it reliable. Right. Because even though the, the site is pretty reliable. I don't know that, and I like to double source things, and I can't find a second source mm-hmm. where the second source isn't actually referencing the first source. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> doesn't that's help the pro- That's the problem with the internet is once something gets on the internet, everybody latches onto it, and then it becomes, you know, the truth. Mm-hmm. When you don't really know, it was just the first person put something up wrong. Right. So, for an, for instance, in my next book, uh, one of the chapters I'm working on, I originally was going to write something a certain way, and then I found out that the fact wasn't correct Hmm. and I had to completely change the way I wrote that particular item because it wasn't correct right huh (laughs) so and that and you know that's the way things are people you know find things out and you know they they print them up and you're like oh that sounds great and you check and you got two or three sources and you start to go with it and then you find an absolutely reliable source in this particular case one of the ones I'm thinking of actually spoke with an Imagineer who worked on that attraction and said that's completely not true I'm the one that did that I am the source and I'm telling you that's not true it's like you can't argue with that right (laughs) they're the ones that did it they're the ones that made the decisions yeah can you give us a hint on which attraction that is uh small world okay is that a big enough hint Uh, it'll work (laughs) so uh, as you've been going through and confirming details, this is just one that comes to mind that I've never been able to figure out. Have you figured out who Tilly is supposed to be? I have been working on that for over two years. <laughs> and, you know, there's there's Tilly on Twitter, uh-huh. and I've asked her, and she goes, well, you know where my name comes from. And it's like, no, I don't, or I wouldn't be asking you. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've researched the, the only Tilly I have found so far was some great aunt Hmm. of Walt Disney who lived in Canada I believe but I don't see anything any connection that would be strong enough where that would have been brought in 
Yeah. I don't, it doesn't make sense that, oh, well, here's his aunt from way back in 18-whatever that he had, you know. it's I, I don't know. And I've checked and I've done research and, you know, every, I, in fact, I, just before I came down here, um, Thursday night, I, had, I was actually looking at some stuff for Tilly because I'd found some new things and hoping that they said, and of course they don't. Of course not. You know, they always say, oh, and Tilly, you'll notice says Marceline, you know, which yes, we all know what Marceline means, but... <laughs> yeah, I did notice that. Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, actually, I would love to. If someone could tell me what Tilly means, I would I would love to know where that name came from. And I've asked lots of people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some people who you would think might know, and they're like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. And then you ask some people who, you, you know, you reach out to anyone, and you're like, hey, uh, you know, I know you worked on this part of Disney, and it has nothing to do with any of this stuff, but have you ever, ever heard anything? Right. Still nothing. Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you have any clue at all, please call, write in something, let us know, and see if we can follow up on it. Yeah, and if I can, if I can follow up on it, I'll give you a credit in the book. There you go. Uh, now the other side of the question. I had first asked if there's anything that you know, you've seen but you don't know why it's there. How about, are there any details that you know exist but you just haven't been able to see them or photograph them yet? Yes. Eeyore's parking lot sign in Indiana Jones. I can't tell you how many times I've gone through that queue. I've actually had cast members shine lights, and they're like, "It's um, it's we can't really see it right now." And (laughs) and then I'll see pictures of it. It's like it is so obvious. Uh And then you go there, and it's like you can't see it. And I don't know how these people are sometimes getting some of these pictures unless they're in there when the lights are on, the the show lights. Not I mean not show lights, but the working lights. Right. Um, But yeah. I've been in there, I, I can't tell you how many times, and like I said, had cast members with their lights trying to shine them up there, and even they're like, I, I know it's there somewhere. I've never seen that. Interesting. I happen to get a good one, because I, I have seen it. I've seen it one time. Uh, I would so, love to see it. Yeah. Of course, then again, if I see it, can I include it, because how am I going to get a picture of it? Right. Because it's so hard to see. It is really hard to see. Even when the light's shining right on, you're like, okay, I can see it. But it's still really, you know, dark, so... Yeah, the one that I... Until... Uh, probably Disneyana. I think that was when I finally saw it. Is um, the skeleton with the mouse ears on oh, Indiana. Oh, yeah, Bones. Bones. I, I look for that and look for that and look for that. And then I just happen to look in the right direction. You know, because they always say, look back over your left shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of like when you find the, the three guys in, in uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And... So I just happened to like just really crank around. And it was like there he was. I was like he's so obvious now. Uh huh. Um, you know, and there's several things like that where you just look and you look and you look and then like oh there it is. And then every time you go into after that, it's like how how did I miss that? Right. It's so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That he is a tough one to see. I, I'll definitely give Eeyore you that. Or just bones. Both. Yeah. <laughs> bones are a little more obvious though. The problem is how do you get a picture again? Uh-huh. Because you're moving so fast and it's behind you and you got to focus and there's not much light. And you can't take flash because then they yell at you. So... About the only thing you could probably do is be on it and hope that it stalls in exactly the right spot. <laughs> kind of like the way you got the picture of the organ. Yes, uh, that was awesome. Mansion. Yeah, that was so fortunate. That, so what Randy's referring to is if you look at the picture, it's it's a beautiful picture, well, at least I think so, mm-hmm. of, of the organist in the Haunted Mansion and normally you cannot get that I mean you 
might be able to get the organ, but he just doesn't glow enough. But one day we were riding the ride, and Playful Spooks hit right at the opportune time. And I happened to have my camera in my lap, and I just slapped it on the rail right there, aimed it. it this, I totally did not, like, aim through the viewfinder or anything. This was just point it, click, and, you know, the camera does this thing where it did, like, a seven-second exposure. And I'm just like, don't move, don't move, <laughs> don't move, don't move. And you hear that shutter close. And I popped a second one, got that one, and then went to do a third one, and it started moving again. So third one smeared, but um, the first one actually came out the best, and that was the one that's used in the book. Uh huh. So that that was just totally lucky. Um, I've gotten a couple pictures in the haunted mansion that way where I just lucked out, <laughs> where I just happened to stop in the right place. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now you've mentioned a couple of times this next book that you're working on. There's yeah. a next book. <laughs> I've heard a rumor. I don't know. I'm trying to, trying to double and triple source it. You know. <laughs> of course I have, and everything on the Internet's true. We know that. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, I am working on another one. Um, I debated whether I wanted to do DCA or another Disneyland, and I did have a number of materials, and I had a lot of ideas, and, and a lot of stuff came up. Um, after the first book came out, um, I kind of took a break, because obviously I was promoting the first book. I was going to book signings and all that stuff and didn't have the time I needed so I kind of let it go but but material kept building up mm-hmm. and so eventually when I was getting around to deciding what did I want to do for the next book um, there were a lot of people saying we want more of Disneyland too so I thought okay well let me look at this let me look at Disneyland see which one because you know obviously I'm a lot more familiar with Disneyland right? and, Dis- and DCA is going to be a true research because it's a new park. There's a mm-hmm. lot of it's going to be a lot more research. So, I ultimately decided, you know, I can get another book out quicker. Um, I have a lot of material, and and I had a lot of new ideas, either new or ones I couldn't use in the first book, um, because in the first book, with my first publisher, I had certain limitations on size. Um, I expanded it quite a bit when I went with with Dave, mm-hmm. David. Um, but I still didn't expand it as much. So I had some ideas, plus I've come up with some new ones, which you and I talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to do that. I decided, ultimately decided I wanted to do a second one on Disneyland. Uh-huh. Now, I've already began gathering material for DCA. So as soon as this one's done, I'm going to roll right into the third book. Right. And, you know, I can't promise it's going to be out super quick. But, um, you know, I, I do have material, and I'm planning on going that way. And, you know, like we said earlier, Condor Flats is changing, so they'll probably give me a whole bunch of new material over there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you going to go through the Disney copyright review again with the second one? Are you planning to? I'm not entirely sure. Probably. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that argue back and forth. Do you need it? Fair use? All that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not about upsetting Disney or anything. That's not my point. Right. Um, I, I just assume they look at it as not... But, you know, you never know. We'll, we'll discuss that when we get to that point. Um, but as of right now, most likely, um, I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't treat me fair again. So Yeah, and they saw how you handled things the first time. I've seen the and first so, book. They know how it is. Yeah, so that should, I would think, help for the second time. And hopefully, if you do, you also get permission on that second one to do it in some kind of electronic form for release as well. We'd have to see. <laughs> That's why I said hopefully. <laughs> I can't speak for them. Sure. Yeah. Any idea on an ETA, hopefully? Well, I, I was hoping to have it done by the end of this month. Um, I've got a few things to do. Um, 
I definitely want the second book to be a little bit bigger than the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just slightly bigger right now, so I, I want to work a little bit more and beef it up a little bit more. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to beef it up too much because, as we discussed, you know, we want it. You can actually handle it, carry it in a purse or a backpack or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you know, I want people to feel like they're getting something for their money too. Yeah. So I, I, I want to increase the size a little bit. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm hoping to be done, done, where I can turn it over to the publisher by the end of February. Okay. Um, I definitely want to have the book out by spring when people are starting to think about coming to Disneyland again mm-hmm. and that's a good time to get it out um, I want it for D23 mm-hmm. this August so and the Disneyana show in July if you're going to do that Disneyana so um, in order to meet that goal of spring I really need to have it done by the end of February because as we discussed you know it's not just a matter of okay here it is and it's done and they print it and life is mm-hmm. wonderful you know it's publisher's got to do his thing and then the printer's got to do his thing and then it's actually got to be printed and then it's got to be shipped over from wherever it's going whether that's a printer like the the second printing here in the United States or you know um, the printer that my publisher uses uses like eight different printing warehouses (laughs) and so what he does is he sends it out to all eight Mm -hmm. and whoever comes up with the best price that's who gets the printing contract Okay. So, the first time I went to one, second time I went to another. Uh You know, I have no control over all that. Well, I mean, yes, I know you could argue that I picked my publisher and therefore I I have say over it, but really, no. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I know what you mean. (laughs) As I told you before we started recording, I went back and listened to as many interviews as I could find that people had done with you because I always try to do that for my guests so that they get something different than sitting through the same questions over and over again and honestly in a lot of the the podcasts I heard you got the same questions over and over and over again which is fine I mean that's part people ask those because that's part of what we want to talk about they're the things that people most want to know but is there anything that you haven't gotten asked that you wish people would ask you you know the the one thing because I knew this was coming because you ask this all the time. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to think about that. You know, is there a question that someone hasn't asked? And, you know, the one that that, that no one's ever asked is, and, and you ask the question that they do ask is, how did the book come about? But they didn't, you didn't ask why, what motivated you to continue with it? Once you got that idea, what was your motivation mm. to continue doing that? And you know, it's funny, I actually had that question written down, and I skipped over it. See? Oh, so you'd have then, something to answer with this you, question. Then you'd have blown my answer for That's this That's right. One. So, of course, part of it was, you know, I love Disney, I want to be a part of this, but also part of it was, was for my family, you know, do something that they would be proud of and, mm-hmm. and that type of thing. So that was a big motivation for that, too. And that, you know, that's the part of that question that never seems to get asked is, okay, this is how you came up with the idea, but why did you go ahead and do it? Right. No one yeah. asked why. That's true. That makes that makes a lot of sense. That's kind of the the harder question, maybe, uh, to think of. And as I'm sitting here nodding, you know that you can't see people. <laughs> right. Nodding works well on an audio podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the why is oftentimes more important than the how or the what. That's what keeps us going into the how and the what is you know, why to do it. Yeah, and, and one thing, you know, I always planned on giving a copy to my daughter, but when 
my wife asked me for the first one, and my daughter turns to me and goes, do I get one too? You know, that, that gets you. Yeah, I can imagine. That must have been pretty special. Yeah, especially since at the time, you know, she's 12 years old. So it's not like she's a grown-up adult going, hey, Dad, do I get one? You know, this is the little girl. You yeah. Know, your little girl. Right. Asking you for a copy. Yeah. That's, that's got to make you pretty proud. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, even if I hadn't sold any, that, that was worth it there. Mm-hmm. Maybe not worth as much as... No. <laughs> <laughs> From a certain point of view. <laughs> so, and this now might kind of go along the lines of the question that you just answered. Uh, but what inspires you? You know, and, and that one's really good. If, if you look on my web, on my Facebook page, um, one of the things they have on there, and this got me started a couple years ago with, with the Facebook page, is... Um, inspirational people mm-hmm. you can like people but they also have that inspirational people that inspire you and you know I've got people on there like John Kennedy and, and Ronald Reagan I you know of course Walt Disney um, there's a guy that runs in the area where I do where I live um, I, I've never spoken with him I don't know the gentleman but he clearly has arthritis or something but he is out there quote unquote running it's more of a giddy up walk but he's out there every day and when I'm trying to you know I'm like I don't want to run today you know I think you know what I got no excuse yeah I really don't this guy can do it I, I should be out there um, people like um, Pete Conrad the astronaut mm-hmm. um, I really I, I didn't really know anything about him and then um, from the Earth to the Moon the TV series oh yeah um, he's part of that and I and I, I, I know it's TV. I, I know they've probably modified things, but I'm sure the essence is correct. And and he has just this whole, you know, attitude of, you know, let's go have some fun. Let's go do this. Let's get this work done. And I just really like that. So those type of people, you know, obviously Walt Disney has a big influence on my life. but And he is in there, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. But there's these other people that I truly admire. Um, people like Robin Williams, you know, is, is in there. Um, obviously I, I had some mixed emotions there at his end right. um, with, with how, the, how that all happened but you know he had some things going on and, you know that's it is what it is so yeah but you know those are the type of people that motivate me is, is those ones that are forward thinking positive that was not a bleep I did not swear <laughs> honestly that time I did. No, I didn't. I'm not just <laughs> you can choose to believe that or not, as you choose to decide. <laughs> so we're going to hear about the frog again. But anyway, those are the type of people that, that influence me as those positive forward thinkers doing the impossible. You know, as Walt is classic for, you know, uh, I'm going to build Disneyland. You can't build that, you know, and here we are, you know, 60 years later. Right. Um, those type of those people really influence me. Um, the the can do kind of people. Um, I really really enjoy that. Um, we can't do this versus yes if that whole yes if attitude. Um, and all of those people seem to embrace that in some way or another. Yeah, that's good. That's great. Uh, and speaking of yes if and can do attitudes. I know that there's somebody listening, hopefully more than one, but <laughs> there's at least in this case someone listening 
who has a dream of some kind, and in this case, we're going to say that it's somebody who has been fascinated by something or has had a desire to do something for years, and it looks really difficult, or you know, people have told them that it's just a waste of time, it's not worth the effort and everything, but it's something that they've, they've wanted to do, but it's been shot down so many times, and they've just had no support, and so they've decided maybe this really isn't a good idea, maybe I shouldn't pursue this, and it might be something like you know, writing a book, but maybe it's something else entirely. So what advice would you have for that person? So, a lot of people have heard me say this. So, if you know people that I routinely am associated with, they'll verify this. There's there's a famous thing in the military where they say, if it ain't raining, it ain't training. And I would carry that to this particular situation as you've presented it. Yet, Yes, it's difficult. But if it's not difficult, it's probably not worth doing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you're going to have so much more satisfaction out of doing something that... that takes a little time, it takes a little effort than something that doesn't. You know, the guy that's a, a natural athlete and can go out and run a 100-yard dash in 2.5 seconds, I obviously making up silly, <laughs> silly times, but, you know, the guy that just can knock it out and then go knock back a cheeseburger and a milkshake and it doesn't really matter, you know, a lot of those people don't appreciate that talent mm-hmm. and don't appreciate it, whereas the guy that really had to work for it, really had to watch his diet, had to go train every day, rain or shine, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, and they win that race, they truly appreciate that because all the blood, sweat, and tears involved. Mm-hmm. And the same thing here. You know, if it's hard, you know, this book was not easy. There, there were a lot of difficulties in this. And, you know, like when it came time to publish it, you know, I could have went with the traditional publishing and just let the publisher do it. But, you know, I made a financial commitment, which mm-hmm. is a hardship on your family and that type of thing. Yeah. Um, there's a friend going through that right now where he's trying to decide, you know, how am I going to do this? And, you know, living paycheck to paycheck and, mm-hmm. you know, those things. But, again, you don't want to come back when you're 60 years old and say, gosh, if only I would have, could have, should have. You know, if, if it takes a little bit, it takes a little bit. And... This I just read this last week, and I actually almost published it. Maybe I'll publish it today now that... now that Well, I can't publish it today because I don't have access to it. But um, This one thing about motivation for running, and it says um, a lot of people don't realize that a little progress is still progress. Mm-hmm. So they'll go That's out true. and they want to lose weight, or they want to get faster at running, or they want whatever, and it's not coming fast enough. Instead of, you know, losing five pounds in a week, they lose a quarter pound. Quarter pound is a quarter pound. Progress is progress. Uh So if this is difficult, but you're making progress, you're making progress. Just keep at it, and eventually you'll get there. So that would be my advice, is just keep working at it. Um, My book, when I I was doing it, you know, I'm working full-time, and i got a family, and all this other stuff, and sometimes I only have 15, 20 minutes of one week to work on something. Another week, I might have five or six hours. Mm-hmm. But progress is progress. That's true. That's true. That's great advice. Thank you. Does that work? That does. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, and now, of course, the reason that you actually came on the show to begin with, shameless plug time, you've talked about your book, but go ahead and tell people where they can get it, where they can find you on social media or whatever you want to put out there for them. So you can find me on Facebook is, is a good place to find me. Um, I do a lot of 
things on, on Facebook, um, especially like this weekend, you'll notice that I've got tons of pictures I'm putting out, um, you know, everything I'm eating, um, you know, th- that's always fun. I get lots of comments on those. Um, you know, if I see something silly or I see something fun, I, I put it out. So you, you get to see a lot of stuff. Um, and then even when I'm not, not at the parks, you know, I put things out daily. I put out a daily um, something related to Disney phrase that I try to put out, the Disney-related word of the, words of the day, um, things like that. And that's um, Facebook um, backslash uh, Seen Unseen Disneyland. Um, you can also, I have a web page. Um, don't do quite as much over there, but that's another place you can find me. And that's um, uh, www.sudbooks, S-U-D-B-O-O-K-S.com. So it's Seen Unseen Disneyland, Sud Books. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's where I came up with that. Um, that also has an order page on there where you can actually click and it'll send me a, a, a request to order. Um, so uh, it also has other books that I recommend, all, all sorts of things like that. There's some things I'm going to be adding in, in the near future. Um, one of the things that I had actually just thought of about an hour before we met was I was thinking about uh, things that have changed in the book since I published mm-hmm. the book. And I was thinking about adding a page where it shows what I put in the book and then what it changed to to kind of keep people up to date uh, on those type of things. There's not a lot, but I think there's probably enough to, to do a little page on that. That's a good idea. So things like that. Um, you can also just email me directly. Um, you can either send it to author at sudbooks.com um, or orders at sudbooks.com. Um, there's multiple ways to get the book. There's pluses and minuses to both. You can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, you can get the book for around $15. It changes all the time, you know, how mm-hmm. Amazon works. Um, so you can get it for, you know, if you're a Prime member, you get it for 15 bucks, free shipping, boom, you get the book. Um, I charge $15, but I have to charge $5 shipping, $5.60, I think is what it is right now. So I do have to pay for pay for the shipping. You do have to pay for the shipping, not I, you. Um, <laughs> but you get it autographed. Mm-hmm. So, but of course, if, if you buy a, buy a book and you see me at any event or, you know, come to D23 or anything like that, I'll, of course, autograph it. It's not going to be, you bought that off of Amazon. <laughs> so I'll, of course, autograph it. And then if you see me in the park, you know, I'm, I come here, you know, three, four, five times a year. If you see me in the park, say hi. You know, I usually have a couple books with me. Um, if I don't, I, I'll have them in the hotel room. Sometimes they get heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I usually have a couple. And then uh, if you have your copy with you, I'm happy to autograph it. But those are the main ways to get a hold of me is, is either through the author at sudbooks.com or Facebook. It's the two big ways to get a hold of me. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time and sharing your stories of writing the book and about Disneyland and why it's so important to you. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Russell Flores for being my guest and to you for listening. Next time, we're going to revisit a past guest, Laura Dickinson, who has a new album out. It's been a couple of years since she was on the first time, so I can't wait to talk with her more. I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Choose from titles like my book, Faith and the Magic Kingdom. You can pick that one or any of the 150,000-plus audiobooks as your free trial book, and it's yours to keep whether you choose to continue your membership or not. To download your free audiobook today, go to storiesofthemagic.com audible. 
Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com slash audible for your free audiobook. If you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, created a website, or you're blogging, writing or performing music, art, whatever it may be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who've worked for Disney. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, then I would love to hear from you, too. For any of these, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. Those ratings and reviews are really the only way to move it up in the search results, and so the only way for other people to be able to discover the show. And really, I think people like Russ and Laura and Bill and Camille and all of the other people that I've had on the show really deserve to be heard, and you can help make sure that happens. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Just keep telling your friends about the show. Let others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com, for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world. <laughs>